The following is a fourth hand production. 15, to a very Brady podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jimmy. And with me, as always, is the other host of the show, Tech. Hi, Jimmy Klein. Hi, Tech Van Sigal. Yeehaw! And on this podcast, we celebrate the iconic TV show, The Brady Bunch, as we break down the bunch one episode at a time. What we do, Tech, is uh-huh. we take the episode, mm-hmm. we break it down, you we climb I. the ladder, even though we're specifically told not to, mm. only to develop a huge complex from it, resulting in us almost killing our brother. Mm. All for your listening enjoyment. That's right. You ain't lying. On today's episode, we look at season three, episode 15, entitled Big Little Man. This is my big little man. Are you my big little man? That was my nickname in high school. <laughs> if you haven't watched this episode, please feel free to stop the podcast and go watch it before continuing. You don't have to, but it might make it a hell of a lot more funny if you do. Brady Bunch is available to stream on Hulu, CBS All Access, and Amazon Prime. 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 <laughs> that was not good timing. Okay, that was pretty good. That's right. a good opening. Hopefully the rest of the episode goes that way because this there's some long scenes in this man. Like <laughs> I was uh, I was finger happy, as your mom would say. Um, <laughs> Burn. Oh, hey no. Um, so what's up? So yes, so how was your how was your week been? It's been a week since we've seen each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been okay. I'm, you know, I got promoted at work and just been doing the new job, new position. Well, just an average week, get promoted, more money. You know, usual. Well, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but beep beep, getting promoted after only been there three weeks. Boom! Just saying. Heck yeah! Yep. Almost like Michael Scott. That's right. I do. I, I work in an office now That's and cool. I have like a team that I'm in charge of. Right on. And I just basically sit at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's not true. I mean, I'm, I'm up and I'm trying to motivate my team and I'm like clapping loud and go, let's go guys. Let's get some sales. And can we shoot a documentary in there? You can just look at the camera and smile like all goofy and shit. <laughs> <clears throat> sure. <laughs> so anyways, what did you think of this episode? Um, I could relate a little bit. I was That's always a, yeah. the shortest one in class too. And right. uh, in fact, like to, I have proof recently, uh, I showed you this picture too. I, I yes. my dad had sent me a picture that was when we were little kids and I showed it to my son. I was like, how old do you think I am in this picture? And he was like, uh, cause I was standing with a group. I was staying with a couple cousins and my sisters and, and he goes, I don't know, like seven. <laughs> and I was like, I was the same age as you, 14 in this picture. Actually, technically I was 13, almost 14. And then you um, showed it to me and my answer was six. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, nope, was, we knew each other. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> my son was just like, oh my God. I was like, I told yeah. you. Like I wasn't even close to as tall as you are right now. Because my did, son is almost as tall as me right now, which, you no. Know, I'm only five did, eight, but still. Did you ever feel like like Bobby did? You ever feel like you were left out of stuff because of your size? Not really. I don't think. 
Had you ever wanted to play a sport, but it was too small? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? I never wanted to play a sport. So You wanted to swim. You had aspirations of it, I remember. <laughs> well, that's not true. When I was in high school, I was... I told you I was thinking about trying out for football, and then you were like, you're stupid, that's stupid, everything is stupid. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> what was that's I thinking? because me and you were scrawny as fuck in high school. <laughs> I mean, we you're couldn't like, even do I cheerleading. I think I'm going to football. I'm like, why? To die? Like, why we would you do that? We couldn't even do cheerleading. Like, <laughs> yeah. Cheerleading's a lot safer than football. And cheerleading, you don't have people purposely trying to kick your ass. Like... <laughs> They sound like Carol now. All those big men trying to kill you. <laughs> Did you learn nothing from the movie Lucas? Like in like at the time you wanted to play football, I was like 110 pounds. <laughs> you weighed 110 pounds? That's I don't even think I weighed that much. Exactly. I think we barely weighed a hundred pounds. Right. And then you I remember, play football. I remember <laughs> when I went into the Navy, I weighed how much did I weigh? I think it was 130 pounds when I went into the Navy. Do you remember when we took weightlifting class in high school? Yeah. And there were guys in there like 185, 200 pounds. I guess. And okay. and you wanted to play football. <laughs> you see my point now? <laughs> well, I could have been the kicker. You know, the kicker didn't do anything. There's guess, a whole yeah. song about it that Adam Sandler did. You could be out there like, my name is Philippe. I kicked the ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist, hmm. Jimmy. <laughs> no, it's from a movie. It's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I was I wasn't as small as you, but I was still kind of small. I was skinny. Um I remember I remember yeah. when I was in ninth and tenth grade, I would go back to the middle school to help teach and stuff. And yeah. I was still in ninth grade, I was still the smallest kid in the middle school, except for you. Um there's a kid that uh I guess you could say is one of my employees now. Um I swear to God, he looks, him and his girlfriend, they both work there. They both look like they could literally pass for 13 year olds. <laughs> they look like children. Huh? Maybe they like, are. <laughs> they're not though. It's so weird. Oh. Huh? That's peculiar. Are they tiny? Little, little, yeah, little people? They're short. They're both short and skinny and they just look like children. Huh? And I was like, good God. I wanted to do say you, to the kid so many times, like, does your mom know you're here? Like, do you have to lower their monitor so they can see it? <laughs> or like no. give them a phone book or something? No, and the boy, he's like got such fucking attitude. Like he's fucking like, you know, like six foot five, like 250 pounds. He has that kind of like attitude about him. Well, it's probably a Napoleon, Napoleonic right. complex or whatever, right. which and, we get into in this. And then, right. and then I talk, he gives me attitude every once in a while. I've talked to him like, he's my child. I'm like, don't get an <laughs> attitude. Don't shake your head. Don't shake your head. <laughs> like, what's your deal? Nothing. I'm fine. Do you make what? him go stand in the corner? I thought about it the other day. Give him a dunce cap? <laughs> Kick it Brady Bunch style? You're in timeout. Give me your phone. You should put the Brady Bunch mu background music on your phone. And then when you have to talk to him, like play the background music, be like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's going to watch it. He's going to listen to this podcast and be like, you know what? Screw you guys. Yeah. All right. So on that note, we're going to take our first break because, you know, that conversation took a lot out of me. <laughs> and when we get back, we're going to dive on into this. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll be back. I'm disturbed. 
welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of mysteries, conspiracies, the unusual and the unexplained. Do we have a laser thermometer to figure out if Admiral Byrd is here? I'm pointing the laser at the wall now. 71.1, 71.2, Admiral Byrd is here. With John, Brent and Conspiracy Bot. You're all idiots. Yeah. Join them each week as they clarify conspiracies. I'm a Stuart Swerdlow. I promise I am human and I do human things. <laughs> Explore enigmas. It's all about ley lines and you'd understand that if I could explain it to you. And probe the paranormal. Hysteria 51 is a hilarious expedition into the eccentric. Stop on my joke. I Thank will when you. they're good. Tune in each week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, the truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Stay woke, meet sex. And we are back. All right. Okay. We have the Brady Bunch, season three, episode 15, entitled big little man oh let's get into this some facts about the episode it first aired january 7th 1972 we're in 72 now jimmy heck yeah written by skip webster you <laughs> dig it's because his name was skip i don't know <laughs> directed by robert reed isn't that cool that's robert amazing reed. it's crazy i found something the same name as the guy that played mike <laughs> i feel like i feel like some like Sherwood Schwartz was like, you know what? You fucking direct the episode then. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Probably. Some interesting facts about the episode. In Big Little Man, Mike Lukenland saves his big brother from freezing. Hmm. Two years later, he will help save Paul Newman from burning in Towering Inferno. Really? Boom. Is that like from a, like in real life? No, it's from the movie Towering Inferno. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Was Mike looking land in that? Yeah, apparently. Oh, okay. <laughs> in this episode, Bobby gets a black guy from getting into a fight with a kid. I almost said black kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he gets wow. a black guy to fight with a kid? Like what? <laughs> in this episode, Bobby gets a black guy from getting in a, into a fight with a kid who's bigger than him. Moments later, he is shown in his room and the black guy is gone. Yeah, I comment about that later. When Bobby goes to Sam the Butcher Shop to buy sausage for Alice's meatloaf, hmm. he never mentions what kind of sausage Alice needs. Hmm. Hmm. True that. All right. Here we go. Okay. We fade in. Hmm. Scene one. We open today's episode in the backyard of the Brady residence as we see Greg entering the backyard through the sliding glass doors. He's carrying a screwdriver with a jar full of screws. Bobby enters the backyard through the other sliding door and immediately joins Greg, who looks irritated, hmm. and stops to scold him about something. Greg walks up to the ladder that is leaning against the side of the house and begins to climb it, but first stops, pushes the jar of screws into Bobby's arms with a hold this hmm. as he ascends the ladder. When he gets to the top of the ladder, he opens a shutter where we see a pink curtain hanging in the second floor window. Bobby asks Greg if he can bring him up some screws, but Greg answers, telling him that he has enough. 
Greg thinks for a moment. I'm sorry. Bobby thinks for a moment and asks if he can bring up a bigger screwdriver. But Greg once again tells him that he's fine. Bobby tries again, asking if he can help him hold the shutter in place. Bobby, I'm sorry, but Greg begins to run out of patience, telling him there's only enough room up on the ladder for one person. Bobby looks disappointed as Alice comes to the first floor window, telling Greg that he has a phone call. Greg answers, telling Alice that he'll be right down. When when Greg gets to the bottom of the ladder, Bobby excitedly tells him that he'll continue until he gets back. But Greg tells him to not touch anything until he gets back and adds that Bobby is too short to reach the shutter. You're lying. Bobby, who's insulted, argues with a, I am not. Mm. Greg finally has to get short with Bobby. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> See what you did telling, <laughs> telling him directly to stay off the ladder. Bobby simply stands there as Greg walks away. He, wa- he watches Greg walk away and begins to think, first looking up at the ladder, then around the yard, and back up the ladder again. Bobby then starts to climb the ladder. Mm. <clears throat> you know, my note says it's a damn shame they don't have a second story window that they could work from. Because <laughs> they're not doing True. anything that would require closing the shutter. <laughs> they're liter- they're, they could literally do it out the window if they wanted to. And it would be a lot easier and a lot safer. Hmm. But nothing will happen. <laughs> it's true. Scene two. We now see Greg in the kitchen talking on the phone with his friend Eddie, asking how much someone wants for a surfboard. Eddie! Sorry. <laughs> he assures the person that he wants it, but warns them that he'll just have to raise a little extra cash and tells them that he'll just call the seller later. So I, I guess they live near water. They never specifically said it was Los Angeles, but now they're confirming that they actually live near water. True. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like beach in Florida, so they could live <clears throat> really anywhere. But True. Yeah. Scene three. We now see Bobby completely at the top of the ladder, trying to both balance and tighten the screws on the shutter at the same time. He holds onto the inside of the window for leverage as the ladder begins to slip away and finally fall completely. As the ladder falls, it appears to break like on the ground. It looked like the ladder broke hmm. as Bobby hangs by both hands from the second floor window. Bobby begins yelling for help as Cindy comes outside to see what all the commotion is about. Cindy yells to Alice up there. But when Alice comes out, she just screams in fear as Bobby <laughs> yells at the top of his lungs. Help me, please. <laughs> Alice and Cindy rush to try to get the ladder up and in place. Hmm. So my note says, good thing he listens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, he was insistent on helping and climbing the ladder. Um, why, why did Greg not, I mean, seeing that he was so insistent on everything, why yeah. did Greg not have the, the thought, you know, why don't you come inside with me? <laughs> right. You know, instead of scolding him and yelling at him, you know what? I, just, just come inside. Just don't even mm-hmm. uh, either that or take the ladder and put it on the ground. Um, because my, my my other note says this almost turned into a very special episode of the Brady Bunch. <laughs> well, I think you may have got that feeling because like scene three was actually split because it was a commercial break, and they when Bobby's like first hanging, they do like the seventies freeze frame, like oh yeah, uh, yeah. oh look out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and I thought that was very seventies of them. So, well, it's the seventies. So. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of funny how that works. Yeah. Scene four. Greg, who is inside and in the boys' room, hears Bobby yelling through the open window. He runs to the window during parkour moves over the girls' beds and begins pulling Bobby up through the window by his arms and his pants. As soon as Bobby is safe, Greg immediately scolds Bobby, telling him that he was told to stay off the ladder. Bobby, who is still worked up and shouts back, I'm off. Greg softens his tone asking if he's all right, to which Bobby calms down and says yes. Greg gives Bobby a look and vents saying, you peewees <laughs> are always, <laughs> always trying to act bigger than you are. Both boys think for a moment. Finally, Bobby turns to Greg and in a soft tone says, Greg, you saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been fucked up, but he didn't save his life. Sorry, I'm too logical, I guess. (laughs) Greg smiles and starts to laugh it off. But Bobby interrupts saying, I'll pay you back sometime. Greg jokingly replies, that'll be the day. As the boys have their moment, Alice emerges from the window, having climbed up the ladder, saying, better late than never. She asks Bobby if he's okay. Greg answers for Bobby, saying he's fine. Alice, relieved, goes to descend the ladder, but is caught by how high it is and asks the boys to save her, too. They help her climb in through the girl's window. As she pulls in through the window, she slides off the bed and onto the floor, taking the boys with her. Greg and Alice share a look in each other's eyes for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't really, but I thought it'd be funny. Like 100%, we can pause this and you can go back and look if you want, but Greg totally touches Alice's boob when they fall on the floor. That's why she gave him that look. That's why they share 100%. His arm, his (laughs) forearm, like grabs onto her boob. Like he like squishes her boob with his forearm. And he gives (laughs) her this look like, oh shit. So. <laughs> nice. um, that was a pretty convincing stunt. Yeah. Him hanging. Like the whole scene was convincing. Uh, the, I put on here, the camera angles are pretty good. And, um, and it's, it, it, what struck me is it's not a, a set or a scene that they use very often, mm-hmm. but they did a pretty good job of at least making it appear elevated. I don't know how elevated it actually was. I but, think it's pretty, I think it's the right height. Like you, you would yeah. expect, I would think it was pretty impressive. Like I, I was, I was impressed by the camera work on this one. Mm hmm. And by the choreography. <clears throat> Scene five. We see Mike and Carol and Jan going through the front door back from shopping. Jan remarks how they sure got a lot of stuff. And Carol complains and they're saying that her feet were killing her. Mike follows both of them saying how the bills are what's killing him. As soon as they sit down, Cindy comes running down the stairs telling Carol and Mike how glad she is at their home. Hmm. But before she tells Mike and Carol what happened, she first asks them if it's tattling, if she tells them something that somebody else doesn't want them to know, hmm. to which they reply, yes. Cindy immediately begins to turn away, telling them that they'll just have to find out for themselves. Hmm. Jan, of course, takes the bait, stopping her with a what? Cindy, happy she did, can't contain herself, telling Jan <laughs> how Bobby almost fell off the house. Carol and Mike turn in surprise in unison. <laughs> um, notice Jan yeah. carrying what appears to be a gift wrap package. <laughs> I didn't notice that. And then Mike pulls out a box as the scene goes on. That is yet again, 
gift wrapped. Hmm. <laughs> Funny, this family has this thing with gift wrap boxes. And I mean, if if some of the the people that were you know you know the OGs as far as watching the show goes, mm-hmm. um, it, I understand that they they probably didn't shop at a lot of chain stores. So if, right. it, if that's the way it was back then, if you went to a local mom and pop type store and they actually put it in a box and made it look presentable and nice with twine and all that kind of stuff, then that's cool and correct us. But I just, it's so much more fun to believe that Carol is just really vain and wants everything gift wrapped for herself. <laughs> that's way more fun. So, but feel free to correct us. And I like how they come home from shopping all day and, and yeah. Carol has the audacity to be like, man, my feet hurt from shopping all day from spending all this money. Me. Mike's like the bills are what's hurting me. She's like, "Oh, you're silly." Anyways, <laughs> my feet. <laughs> oh, Mike, silly ass. Scene six. We now see Bobby in the boys' room, wincing in pain as Carol pulls out splinters. <laughs> Carol seems to enjoy Bobby's pain, actually telling him, "That's what you get, you little shit." No. Yeah, right. Look what but, you did, you little <laughs> jerk. But soon turns her fear into a lecture, telling him how he could have been hurt. Mike peeks his head in from the bathroom, asking what he was doing up there anyway. Bobby simply replies, hanging on mostly. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was kind of funny. Carol asks the question, if Greg told you not to climb the ladder, why did you? Bobby explains, I wanted to show Greg that I wasn't too little to do it. Bobby then starts to feel sorry for himself and perhaps a little embarrassed as he admits that Greg was right. He goes on. I'm a peewee. <laughs> and he always will be. I'm sorry. I'm a peewee and I always will be. Carol then attempts to help saying that there are a lot of boys his age that are just his size. I don't I'm know sorry. I put on there. Oh, oh Carol. Like, she, <laughs> like she's such a fucking moron. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with kids his age. It has to do with him comparing himself to his siblings. She's like, there's a lot of people your age that are your size. Really, Captain Obvious? Really? (laughs) There's also a lot of kids that are younger than you that are smaller than you. (laughs) Shocking that nine-year-olds tend to be the same size. Carol is a (laughs) fucking genius. Bobby retorts by asking Carol if she knows who's the smallest person in his class. When Carol answers, you? Bobby corrects her saying, no. (laughs) It's Freddie Hofstetter. And I'm the second smallest. And that's only because he got a haircut. (laughs) As Bobby turns to walk out of the room, Mike stops him and says, everyone grows at their own speed. And maybe next year you'll be one of the tallest. But Bobby's ego is bruised as he simply answers. No, I won't. And closes the bathroom door. (laughs) But not before opening again one last time and says, being little is the worst thing in the whole world. Carol and Mike just look at each other. <clears throat> on this episode, I was trying not to be too harsh on Carol because I got a feeling that I'm just really hard on Carol just because she's a fucking moron. But <laughs> you're not helping your case any. <laughs> Carol thought she was helping, but sometimes it's just better to just listen, you know, than you know what I mean? Like rather yeah. than, you know, tell them that they deserve pain <laughs> and asking them like stupid shit, you know. Um Bobby is another on a, on a side note. Bobby is a hundred percent upstaging Carol and Mike in the scene. Yeah. Yeah. He's standing in the bathroom and they're literally having to three quarter cheat away from the camera just to oh. look at Bobby. 
So there, he's a hundred percent upstaging him. And I don't know if that, I'm, I'm sure Robert Reed spotted that because that's a like more of a classic Shakespeare type of thing. It it implies power to whoever they're turning to look at, kind of thing. Um, and also, why do the boys have a bowling ball in their dresser? It just seems like a strange place to <laughs> keep a bowling ball. <laughs> I don't know why do they still have a toddler's fucking golf set. That's true. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Scene seven. Down in the kitchen, we see Greg walking in from the living room, asking Alice if she has seen the paper. Alice tells Greg it's in the family room. Greg stops at the fridge and grabs an apple as he explains to Alice that he's looking for the want ad section. That's kind of like Facebook Marketplace tech, but on paper. Oh, oh, okay. Greg needs to find a way to make some extra loot. (laughs) Okay. Alice brings up... Alex brings up that old shit asking Greg, you're not going to find another, you're not going to finance another jalopy, are you? Damn. <laughs> Alex bringing up the old shit. <laughs> Greg smiles and says no and explains that he's after a 6-6 six, six board that'll let him do flyaways over the Grimmies. Mm. Alice stares at Greg for a moment and asks him to repeat that in English. <laughs> Greg replies, this stoked up hot dogger needs some extra bread so he can latch onto a heavy board and hit the lineup. <laughs> Alice thanks him for the translation and asks him <laughs> if he's talking about the surfboard by any chance. Greg excitedly says, right on, and exits to the family room to find the paper. As hmm. he exits, he says hi to Sam the butcher, who apparently walked into their house unannounced. <laughs> he walks into the kitchen telling Alice, hey, Alice. Here's that meat you ordered. Mm. But why was he holding his crotch? Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, so, that's such a juvenile joke. <laughs> oh, God. Alice, who is clearly impressed by the service, replies, well, I see you got the boss himself making deliveries. Mm. Sam turns on the charm, telling her it's because he's crazy about her and he likes to look at her. Mm-hmm. Oh, and his delivery boy quit. As Alice begins putting the meat into the fridge, Sam continues to vent about his delivery boy quitting, telling Alice, 16 years old, and he wants fringe benefits. Alice tells Sam that those fringe benefits are all the new in thing. Mm. Sam agrees, but tells Alice he wanted three filet mignons a day. No, Mm. sir. And continues saying he has to try to find another boy this week. Hmm. Just then, Alice's eyes get wide as she shuts the refrigerator door. Alice finally speaks up and says, Sam, what if I found you an instant delivery boy? Sam replies, I would hug you. Alice, seeing the potential, raises the stakes, asking. Yeah, stakes, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Hmm. An outstanding delivery boy? Sam replies, I'd kiss you. Mm. Alice, now seeing tube steaks on the menu. Asks, greatest, de- what? See <laughs> tube steaks on the yeah. menu tonight. Yes. Yeah, tube steak, you know, like like a wiener? Yeah, yeah I um, get it. Okay. It's a funny joke, hence laughing. <laughs> Asks, greatest delivery boy in the whole wide world? Sam replies, I'd hire him on the spot. Alice, <laughs> now deflated, simply says, Alice, why don't you quit while you're ahead? Hmm. Which that's kind of a racy joke a little bit. I was kind yeah. of impressed. I know. I wanted to hear what was next. Yeah. He'd be like, Sam. fuck you on the counter right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, eager to get a delivery boy, asks Alice where he finds this genius. Alice tells him to stay right there 
as he goes into the family room calling for Greg. Greg enters with an apple in hand and his newspaper. When Greg tells Sam that he's looking for a delivery boy, Greg seems shocked, asking, you do? Sam tells him, after school and all day Saturday, buck fifty an hour. Greg simply replies, wow, that's great. Sam gets cautious, asking Greg, what about fringe benefits? Mm-hmm. Greg replies, who cares about fringe benefits? Sam points at Greg, telling him, you are hired. 4 p.m. sharp tomorrow and bring your bike. Greg answers, out of sight. Thanks, Sam. And thanks, Alice. He then dismisses himself, saying he's going to Phil's to look at the surfboard that's for sale. Hmm. Once Greg is gone, and it's just Alice and Sam, Alice is obviously waiting for her kiss. Sam begins saying, thanks, Alice. You really did me a favor. Just then, Bobby walks into the kitchen from the family room to wash his hands. Sam greets him with a, hey, shrimpo. Bobby looks insulted as he slowly turns to Sam with a shrimpo and runs out of the kitchen in a huff. Mm -hmm. Hmm. As soon as Bobby leaves, Sam feels bad asking what happened. Alice turns off the water and explains that Bobby is going through a thing about being short and that shrimpo kind of hit him. Hmm. Sam feels bad. Boy, have I got a big mouth. Then asks if it's okay if he says he's sorry. Alice tells him, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know me and my money conversions. Yes. So, so $1.50 an hour, Mm -hmm. what do you think that conversion is to how much, if he was getting paid today, how much would he be offered today? What's minimum wage today? Do you know? No. I think it's like $8.50 an hour. Something like that. So it's probably a little bit more than minimum wage. I'm gonna say nine dollars an hour, eight eighty five an hour, something like that. Close. It's nine eighty one. Huh. So, yeah, interesting. It's about right. Um, you know, Greg knows damn right well that Alice don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Why is he using that language with her? <laughs> he knows <laughs> yeah. she don't know what the fuck that that slang means. Who's he trying to impress? It's That's not the like first time Greg boo. has done that. Where he oh, uses he like, wants, slang. He wants to grab her boob again. Oh, that totally makes sense. He's trying to impress her. Um, So Greg and Bobby were outside working on the house in T-shirts, right? Mm -hmm. Yet Sam comes in wearing two T-shirts and a jacket. Okay. But I don't understand their wardrobes, but okay. Scene eight. Up in the boys' room, we see Bobby sadly walk into the room and close the door. He slowly walks over and lays on the bed. He pulls his handkerchief out of his back pocket and uses it to wipe away his tears. Because we all know nine-year-old kids carry a handkerchief in their back pocket all the time. <laughs> the door opens and Sam walks in looking for Bobby. <laughs> he finds Bobby when Bobby blows his nose. Sam pulls up a chair, sits down, and begins telling Bobby how he's sorry for that shrimpo remark. Sam then begins telling Bobby that he knows how he feels and that he had the same hang-up when he was a kid. Only worse. This piques Bobby's curiosity as he rolls over with a, you do? Sam explains that when he was born, he only weighed four pounds. And that his old man wanted to send him back. <laughs> well, you daddy, can do that? He had daddy issues. <laughs> he tells Bobby, I even flunked out of kindergarten. Do you know why? And <laughs> Bobby asks, why? Sam says, I was such a peewee. <laughs> That the teacher kept marking me absent. 
<laughs> Bobby laughs. By now, Bobby is sitting up on the bed with a smile on his face, and Sam explains that after that, in one year, he grew six inches. This gets Bobby's attention. Bobby questions, six inches in one year? And Sam's like, oh, well, not like height. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And one night, are you kidding? You should have seen her. <laughs> Sam confirms with an mm-hmm. Bobby is in awe as he contemplates, if I can do that until I'm 21, Sam calculates that Bobby would end up about 10 feet, two inches tall. Bobby thinks for a moment, then with a sudden realization says, I'd make the basketball team. Sam tells him, pal, you'd be the basketball team. As he rubs Bobby's head and chuckles. So the butcher follows the kid to his room. (laughs) So this is, I put, this is an after school special waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. This is like that different strokes episode. And also like, who is he to counsel somebody else's kid? (laughs) I mean, it's one thing to say you're sorry, but now you're crossing into that realm of giving some, somebody else's kid like advice. Like that's kind of crossing the line. I think Eh, think it's all right. But my note too is it says it's weird. Sam's in the boys room, right? That's weird. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I wonder if him being a butcher and him, you know, having issues with his dad has something in common. Just saying. Huh. I just think like his name just sounds like really serial killery. Like Sam, the butcher just sounds like a story you would hear on a podcast in true crime or something. He kind of reminds me of the cowardly lion sometimes. Yeah. Put him up. I wasn't going to bite her. No, but you tried to. I grew six inches in just one summer. (laughs) Scene nine. Out in the backyard, Peter walks up to find Bobby hanging from the swing set. When Peter asks what Bobby's doing, He's told he's stretching himself and that he bets he can get longer by the minute. Peter, not giving any fucks at all, tells Bobby <laughs> that doesn't work to not feel bad. You can always be a jockey. <laughs> and he walks away giggling. Bobby makes a face as Peter walks away. I, I, I put on here, first of all, great endurance by Mike Lukenland. You know what I'm saying? Like he does a few scenes in this episode where he's straight up hanging from the swing set <laughs> through the entire scene. Like, you know, yeah. Um, but also, I'm impressed because Mike and Luke, Mike Lukenland has such great facial expressions. <laughs> him and him and um, Christopher Knight both have really good facial expressions, but more so Mike Lukenland. Um, yeah. And I put on here, he was basically Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey was Jim Carrey. Like literally, I think before Jim Carrey was Jim Carrey. So, <laughs> so I think that's cool. Hmm. That's cool. Scene ten. In the butcher shop, we see a sign saying, fresh beef tongue, 55 cents a pound. As the camera pans over, we see a walk-in where Greg walks out of. He leans on the doorway, looking tired, and continues walking towards Sam, who is cleaning up the counter. Sam asks, how do you like the meat business after one day? (laughs) (laughs) Greg says, I'm bushed. I wish there were more vegetarians. I must have ridden 40 miles on my bike today. Sam tells him to keep thinking about that new surfboard. But Greg corrects him, telling him it's not new. It's used. Fucking moron. (laughs) And that he's going to fix it up. Sam begins to contemplate, telling Greg that he should be doing some fixing up himself. New counters, modernize the meat locker. 
Sam continues explaining that he has big dreams, but the problem is they're bigger than his wallet. Mm. Greg then takes the opportunity to ask, speaking of money, when do you pay me? (laughs) Sam replies, Saturday, as he continues cleaning. Greg tells him that he can then make his first payment on a surfboard. Sam gets Greg back to work by handing him a tray of meat with the dirtiest fucking look I've ever seen Sam yeah, give. I noticed that too. What was that? Anyway, <laughs> Greg walks away into the walk-in meat locker. What was up with that look he like flashed at him? Like, I think because he don't want him standing around fucking talking all the time. But he was talking to him and he was like, because yeah. like, when do I get paid, motherfucker? And he's like, I'll pay you Saturday. Cool, now I can make my first payment on a surfboard. And he was like, the fuck you will? Like, that's yeah. how he's looking at him. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it was weird. I put on here, you know, look at the Brady Bunch busting out the scent symbol. Hell yeah. I saw your note and I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Well, because there's a there's a dollar symbol, right? Yes. And then there's a scent symbol, which is like yeah. a C with a line through it. Right, well, the right. sign in the background, that's why I put it on there. It says fresh beef tongue, 55 cents a pound. It yeah. actually has the scent symbol on it. So I'm like, look at the Brady Bunch busting out the scent symbol. You never I see don't... the scent symbol anymore. I know Probably somebody handwrite something on a, at a store, but right there's not even like on a keyboard. There's not even the uh-uh. symbol in it. I, I I don't even. Th- I think there is by using like Shift Alt like C or something. You know, right, but, right, right. But it's really hard to find. It's buried in a keyboard. Um, but also like me and you used to work at a surf shop. Yeah. How the fuck much is this used surfboard that ne- apparently needs work? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like you had said earlier that it was equivalent to nine dollars and eighty nine cents an hour. Something like nine eighty one, yeah. So if we round it to ten dollars an hour, let's say, okay, he's probably if he's working all day on Saturday, that's eight hours, and then every day after mm-hmm. school, you got to think what three hours. So probably that's fifteen four, four hour, hours, maybe. So, so that's fifteen hours during the week with another eight hours on the weekend times ten dollars an hour. He's looking at two hundred something dollars a week, right? Okay, and he's going to buy this used surfboard that needs work, and he has to make a payment. When he made two hundred something dollars his first, how much is a surf? You can buy a brand new surfboard for two hundred something dollars. It's going to be a piece of shit, but you can buy it. Yeah, it's true. So um, that kind of struck me a little bit. Huh? Didn't even think about that. Scene eleven. Back in the backyard, we see Bobby hanging in the backyard from the swing set. Carol simply stares at him through the window as Mike comes up, asking what she's looking at. Carol asks Mike if he thinks it's good for him to stretch himself like that. Mike simply says, never hurt Tarzan. Mm. Carol replies, think what it did for Jane. Mike tells Carol to chill with a, oh, he's not going to hurt himself. Mm. Carol argues that Bobby is at it all the time. Mm. And if his arms stretch and his legs don't, he may grow up to look like Cheetah. Mm-hmm. You know who Cheetah was? Yeah, he was the monkey on Tarzan. What? <laughs> <laughs> What happened to to Jane? What is she talking about? I, I tried no looking idea. it up, and I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Think about what it did for Jane. I was like, that sounds like a sexual joke, but I can't figure out what, though. But also, conspiracy alert. Yeah. Right? Cheetah, they make reference to Cheetah. Cheetah was a chimp. Mm-hmm. Now, she's saying that Bobby could end up like Cheetah. Yeah. Like long arms like a chimp. Carol is saying... That Bobby may grow up to look like a monkey. Yeah. And he makes monkey sounds in faces. It's not a monkey reference. I think Bobby's a monkey. Yeah, I think maybe they like found him like in the woods somewhere and they just shave him all the time in his sleep. Yep. 
And Why else that, would he be able to hang from that swing for so long? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And like, she's concerned, like Mike, we need to like do something here. Like he already made monkey noises like a few weeks ago. Exactly. And this is going to encourage his monkey behavior. And he's like, nah, it's, it's healthy for him. <laughs> right. Hmm. So, hmm. Let's keep an eye on that. Let's clock that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Oh, scene 12. Now, up in the boys' room, Bobby walks in very excited and makes a beeline right to the bathroom. He walks up to the mark on the bathroom door, stands up to it, and marks how tall he is, but is immediately disappointed when he realizes that he hasn't grown any. He says, nothing. Still the same size. He kicks the door open as Marcia says, Bobby, you've got to give yourself a little time. Bobby walks away saying, I guess I better stretch some more. I love how these people just let him think that this shit is going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at no time has anybody pulled Bobby aside and said, listen, that's, that's simply not the way it works. Like you can <laughs> hang there the rest of your life and you're not going to grow any more than you would have anyways. So really the only thing you can do if you want to get technical about it is eat right, eat your vegetables. You know, that's really the only thing that's going to help at all. So, <laughs> right. but it's I love point. how everybody just, well, fuck it. Just let him hang there. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just let him keep trying and trying and see no improvement. You yeah. Know, then he'll, maybe he'll learn a different lesson. Yeah, but there's easier ones to teach a lesson. But anyways, scene 13. <laughs> no, we now it's see, a terrible lesson. He keeps yeah. trying and trying and something and failing. Well, especially Mike's like rationale for it. He's like, well, it didn't hurt this fictional character Tarzan. Like, <laughs> okay. You're like, you have a degree, man. Like that's your logic. <laughs> Well, it didn't hurt Tarzan. It's good enough for Disney, right? But not what, what it did to Jane. About, you know what I mean? No, I don't, nobody knows what that means, Carol. <laughs> what? And then Carol thinks he's serious because she's like, but what if he ends up like the monkey? I'm just like, seriously? Like, Whoa. That's what you Davey got out of Jones this? was in the monkeys. Oh, shit. Damn. So he meets a monkey. Yep. They compare him to a monkey. And he makes monkey sounds. Yep. Now we just need an episode where he throws shit at somebody. And then it's, <laughs> the whole circle is complete. I think that's next season. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> All right. Scene 13. We now see Bobby once again in the backyard and stretching on the swing set. By now, his audience has grown to all three girls. Marcia hmm. starts by saying, poor Bobby. He keeps measuring himself all the time. Cindy adds that he just keeps getting grumpier and grumpier. Marsha continues. <laughs> if we, if he would just grow a little, even a half an inch, it would encourage him. <laughs> I put on there, isn't that every guy? <laughs> I couldn't even get through that without laughing. Think about oh, what that would do for Jane. Just those lines. I'm going to try that again without laughing, but just the lines are funny. <laughs> um, Marsha starts by saying, poor Bobby. He keeps measuring himself all the time. Cindy adds <laughs> that he just keeps getting grumpier and grumpier. Marsha continues, if he would just grow a little, even a half an inch would encourage him. I mean, this is basically horrible. me like on a weekend. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I pull it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, stretch it. And then just keep getting grumpier. Like, damn it. If it's just grow another <laughs> half an inch. Every time he good. measures himself, he's just fucking grumpy. We cut to the... <laughs> We cut to Bobby in his room, once again measuring himself. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> but this time, it appears he's actually grown. Super excited to grow some more, he springs down to the swing set and begins stretching again. Miraculously, <laughs> this makes him grow even more. Holy shit. We see this go back and forth until Bobby has grown a full inch tack. Huh. That's crazy. Yes. So let's not waste any time. Down in the living room, we see the family sitting around. Marsha and Mike are reading while Jan does a puzzle with Carol and Cindy. Just then, they're interrupted by Bobby coming down the stairs, exclaiming that his stretching worked and that it grew a whole inch and a half. Carol proceeds to laugh at Bobby, <laughs> finally telling him, oh, honey, I don't think you grew an inch and a half. Mike adds, not since yesterday. But Bobby insists, saying he measured himself three times. First, he grew a half an inch and then a whole inch. Just then, Cindy, of course, pipes up saying, no, it's only a half an inch. Bobby's bullshit detector in training goes off as he asks, how do you know it's only a half an inch? Cindy, of course, realizing she opened her mouth yet again, begins to search for an explanation as Mike asks, yeah, how do you know? Cindy finally says, I made the mark a half an inch lower so that Bobby would think he grew. Bobby looks deflated, but raises his spirits when he says, it's okay, I still grew a whole inch. That's when Jan pipes up and (laughs) correcting him saying, no, only a half an inch. Carol uses this excuse to use her brain asking, you did the same thing too? Jim nods. And Jan, to avoid confusion, just nods. Uh-huh. That's right, Carol. <laughs> yeah, you got it, Ice. <laughs> Let me get this straight. <laughs> Bobby, whose ego is all but crushed, now tries to be optimistic, saying, well, half an inch isn't bad. That is until Marcia speaks up <laughs> with a soft Bobby. And Carol's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Marsha simply says, I guess we should have checked with each other. Bobby takes this all in and simply says, the dirtiest trick I ever heard of. As he runs up the stairs in a huff, but is stopped by Mike, who calls his name. After seeing everyone else is going to let him walk away upset, (laughs) Mike says, Bobby, they weren't trying to trick you. I don't think what they were doing was right. Carol adds that they were only trying to help. But Bobby wants no part of it, saying, Yes, they did, because they know it's true. Then I'm a shrimp bro and a peewee, huh? And then I'll never <laughs> grow another inch as long as I live, ever! As he runs off for good. And huff! Man, oh. Marsha cannot be turned away from that book. You notice that? Like, like, she's just fucking reading that book, and it's only when, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, it, um, yeah, I did it too. And then she goes right back to reading that book again. It's like, damn. Um, I I liked I an acting note. I, I really liked something that Mike Lucanland did, and I'm and I'm purposely using Mike Lucanland as opposed to Bobby. You know what I mean? Just to differentiate. No, I, yeah, yeah um, for sure. He starts to run up the stairs, and then he stops and turns around and delivers that last line. I yeah, thought that yeah. was like a nice touch. I know exactly what you're talking about because yeah. he goes, "Yes, they do. I know it's true." And then he starts to head up and he turns back. Like, I'm a shrimp on a pee. Yeah. Ah! Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. You're doing a lot of, giving a lot of love to looking land today. Well, he did a good job. This is a good episode for him. Yeah. Um, 
But on that note, we're going to take our first break. Our second break. Sorry. Our next break. (laughs) So Bobby thought he found the secret to growing, only to be tricked by his sisters into thinking that it worked. Mm. Now he's realizing that he's still the same height. He's still a shrimpo, Mm. and he'll never grow another inch as long as he lives ever. (laughs) Will he give... Will he go back on that promise? Mm. We'll find out. We will be back. Are you a fan of movies? Or comics? Or video games? Or just anything else nerdy? Well, you should check out the Zing Zing This Podcast. Podcast. And that's spelled Z-E-N-G this and we have nerdy topics from comic book reviews to in-depth analysis of iconic nerdy movies as well as video game discussions mm-hmm. where's some of the best places to find us Allie? well podbean of course you can also find us on itunes stitcher google play anywhere else you listen to your podcast, podcast. yeah so check us out once again that is zing, zing this, this. back all right so tack yes you ever done any sick flyaways over grammys <laughs> uh yeah like every morning do you know uh what the hell that means uh yeah, of course i do at surfing terms and i used to work at run Jones surf shop with you and that's how mm. we talked all the time that's a lot of confidence so we're gonna test that right now with a little <laughs> game Talking about some 70s surf terminology. Let's see how good you are. Oh, okay. Because you were born in the 70s and you worked at a surf shop, so you should ace this, right? Yeah, I would totally ace it. Right off the bat. Explain to us, a wise one, what a Grammy is. What do you think a Grammy is? A Grammy, um, as everyone knows, especially the surf community, is um, the choppy waves. That's incorrect. It's actually somebody's grandmother. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's a name for a young inexperienced surfer oh like a like a grommet is that what they were called grommets that that the grommet did come up when i was researching this i never heard the term grommet before but i knew that because of like nikki because she knew a lot of surfing slang terms what do you think a flyaway is that's the other term that greg flyaway is when you do a sick jump over some stuff Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's it's where you're um, you're backing out of a wave and you jump off the surfboard to avoid the board hitting you. So oh. you're jumping. You see them do it in, in contests all the time where they launch off the back of the wave and they jump clear their surfboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what do you think a backyard special is? That sounds like something you would do some sort of trick at the back end of a board, like, like the aft end of the surfboard. Or? It's a poorly constructed homemade surfboard. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, backyard special. So that's kind of what Greg is doing, sort of, kind of, but not really. If if you're a surfer and you refer to a crew, uh-huh. what what are you referring to? What is a crew? What does that mean? Like your boys, your surfing buddies? No. Oh. They are individuals who restrict their surfing to one locale. So like to you would have like what? locale. One, like one spot? Yeah. So you would have like, you know, the Sebastian Inlet crew. Or the Cocoa Beach uh, Pier crew. You know, kind of Motley crew. Yeah. 
Dwid Dangler. What? Dwid. D-W-I-D. Dangler, as in dangle, like wangle dangle. Can you use it in a sentence? Um, I have to go to the surf shop to get another Dwid Dangler. Sure. Um, what that is, is like, it's the middle fin on the surfboard. Nope. Okay. It's a leash, <laughs> a surfing good. leash that it attaches ah. one into the surfboard and fastened to your ankle to prevent your board from washing ashore in the event of a fall. Oh, I knew that. A dwid dangler. What is a fish? And it's 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 not the animal. Oh. <laughs> I was like, this is a surfing term, right? <clears throat> um, this one you should know. A fish is yes. like, use it in a sentence, please. Um, okay, you're working at Ron Judd's. Hey, uh, I'm looking for like maybe a six, five fish. Okay, it's a certain cut or shape of a surfboard. Exactly, yeah. It's a surfboard that has um, two fin things coming off the tail. What about glassy? So referring to like the sea state? Exactly, yeah. Used to describe wave conditions. Hot lips. Hot lips. Well, besides that from being my nickname in high school, <laughs> um, can you use it in a sentence, please? Um... Um, I think I'm going to get off work early because I saw some hot lips. Um, a cute chick? No. Okay. Waves which break in a manner conducive to good surfing. Oh. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, hold on. First of all, that's like <clears throat> for people who live like who, not in surfing areas. <laughs> surfers are like obsessed with surfing. Like they oh, go yeah, yeah, like yeah. on their lunch breaks from work. Yeah. They'll go like right after work or go in the morning before work. Like it's totally or normal. all of the above. It's totally normal beachside if there's a, a, a locally owned restaurant or mom and pop place. It's totally reasonable for somebody to call into work because there's good waves. 100% totally reasonable. Or they come back from their hour lunch break fucking soaked with sand all over them. Yeah, like, that's exactly. normal. <laughs> mush burgers. What's a mush, mush burger? <laughs> Can you use it in a sentence? Um, I'll be into work today because those hot lips turned out to be mush burgers. Oh, uh, I guess shitty waves that looked exactly. like they were going to be good. So. Small waves devoid of sufficient form or power. Mm. I purposely tried to distill the the definitions down. Mm. Quasimodo. What does that mean? <laughs> um, it's a homeless guy on a beach. I don't know. No. <laughs> it's <laughs> the squatting position employed when riding through a wave's curl. Oh, okay. And the last one. Yep. Turtle. What does it mean? Could you use it in a sentence? Um, yeah, the only way I could uh, catch any waves is if I turtled. Gross. Yeah. It means you got to poop? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's, um, uh, you know what duck diving is? Um, well, that's where you like, oh, where you're on the board and you go dip yeah. underwater and stuff? This yeah. is the opposite of duck dive. Like, if you have a long board, if you have, like, the one that Greg thinks he has, you know, because he references, you know, riding the nose and stuff, which you can't do on a 6.6, six, but we're not going to get into all that. Right. Well, you might be able to, but we're not going to Well, you yeah, like, the fun shapes. And then you well, yeah, if like you have, like, a fun shape or a long board, you're long not going to duck dive it. It's not going to happen. So you have to do what's called a turtle. Here they call it a turtle roll is what they call it. Hmm. And that's where when the wave comes, you roll the board on top of you upside down. And because of the shape of the board, the the wave pushes the board underwater and passes over top of the wave. And then when it passes over, then you roll back on top of the board and keep paddling. It's called mm. the turtle. So those, ladies and gentlemen, are your surfing terms. 
from the 70s. These are what Greg and his friends probably would have, there's a lot more, but I just picked the most interesting ones. Hmm. Well, cool. So, yes. Fun. Fun little game. Mm-hmm. And now you guys know, and knowing is half the battle. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's get back into this. When we All left right. off, Bobby was stretching himself by hanging from the swing, and he had appeared to stretch a full inch and a half tech. I know what that's like. Yeah. Only to find out that his sisters had yet again thought it would be good to make someone believe something that wasn't true, just to make them feel better. Yeah. Will it work this time, Tech? Mm-mm. Well, we're going to see. Let's get back into this. In the entryway between the kitchen and the family room, we see Alice preparing to leave to go to the market. Carol comes over with some sass asking, oh, I'm sorry, maid. Did I leave something <laughs> off the list? But Alice, showing Carol how a thoughtful parent thinks, explains that she thought she'd do something a little special for Bobby. Hmm. She further explains that something, sometimes you can help a sad little heart with a happy little tummy. Hmm. Carol admits that it's very sweet. And Alice asks uh, what she's going to make him because, you know, Carol ain't going to do that shit. <laughs> Alice tells her that she's making his favorite dessert, strawberry tall cake. Hmm. Carol, confused, as usual, asks, <laughs> strawberry tall cake? She can't Alice crack ex- that code. She has no, no idea. No. Alice explains from now on, she is not using the word short anymore and leaves to catch the bus. <laughs> Even though Carol was standing there not doing anything and could have driven her. Carol laughs at Alice's joke as she attempts to fold the dish towel, but only succeeds in confusing herself. Just then Bobby walks in from the family room. Carol greets Bobby with a cheerful, hi, Bobby, but then stops him, noticing his clothes are dirtier than usual. But when Bobby turns around to look at her, he reveals that he got in a fight and has a black eye. Mm. Carol, shocked, asked him what happened. Bobby proudly tells her that he got in a fight with Tommy Huxley. Mm. Carol, shocked and perhaps a little irritated, asks Tommy Huxley, but he's twice as big as you are. Why doesn't he pick on somebody his own size? Mm. But Bobby admits that he actually picked on Tommy. Mm. <clears throat> Carol walks over to the sink to get a dish towel wet and looks and looking surprised as she asks, you started the fight? Why? Bobby explains that he was acting like a big shot. Hmm. Carol, understanding what's going on, asks, well, you weren't feeling like a little shot, were you? Oh, Bobby explains to Carol, well, I am a little shot, and that's all I'll ever be. Mm. Carol wipes off Bobby's face as she asks him if he knows who Napoleon Bonaparte was. Bobby does an imitation (laughs) as he explains (laughs) that he does know who Napoleon was. He was that funny guy who always walked around with his hand on his stomach. Mm. Carol chuckles, but further explains that Napoleon was also a little guy. And that he was, he went around trying to prove how big he was by fighting everybody. Hmm. When Bobby asks if he won, Carol tells him, nope. And just like you, he got clobbered. Damn. She goes on to explain that she really doesn't think fighting is the answer. Um, She also explains that some of the greatest men in the world were small men who didn't fight. Bobby confused asked what they did. Carol explains, of course, with no examples at all. 
that they used their brains and not their muscles. Carol then pokes at his head and simply says, brain power. (laughs) That's right, Carol. That is your brain. (laughs) As she gets up to get more cold water, she seems to get Bobby thinking as he simply says, brain power, huh? (laughs) So I put down, like, (laughs) Carol couldn't drive Alice. That is such a bitch move. (laughs) <laughs> like she's trying to do something nice for her son <clears throat> who's in a shitty mood lately and she's making her take the fucking bus to the market mm-hmm. um, also I put down yeah good talk Carol done like a pure what like a pure dumbs <laughs> um, <laughs> I put down a good, a good talk Carol done like a pure dumbass that didn't do any research like she couldn't <laughs> give any kind of like what if Bobby would have said really like who <laughs> Come on, Carol. Tell him some examples. Yeah. Who cares? Um, and also, Alice with her fucking winter coat. <laughs> what? Alice has a straight up winter coat, like a heavy parka. Oh, just oh yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember. And also, Carol busted out the Jay Leno shirt. <laughs> <laughs> was it like denim? Or yeah, something? it was. She got a straight up denim shirt on. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> like, uh, Jay Leno's like, hey, nice shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> scene 16 we now see bobby pulling up the driveway on his bike carrying a stack of books in his arm as he pulls up into the garage we see peter outside playing basketball as bobby gets off his bike peter asks him if he wants to shoot a few baskets but bobby turns him down telling him he can't peter asks what are all the books for bobby answers obviously by saying to read <laughs> peter answers I know that, dumbhead. Where'd you get him? Bobby answers, obviously, again, saying, The library. <laughs> <laughs> then informs Peter, I'm on my way to brain power. When Peter asks what he means, Bobby answers, saying, If you had any, you would know. Ooh. And then I wrote down, Bobby's eyes sure healed fast. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't Bobby use the basket on his bike instead of carrying the books? It looked like he was about to fall. <laughs> like the girls use it. The boys are too cool to use it. I noticed that he used a uh, stack of tires to hit to stop, much like <laughs> Jan used a, a picture like a in a frame. Or a picture, rather. <laughs> yeah. Scene hmm. 17. In the den, we see Bobby hard at work studying his books while Marsha and Jan are doing needlepoint behind him. Bobby slams his book shut and asks, Jan, Marsha? You like to watch TV, right? Bobby (laughs) continues, bet you don't even know how it works. (laughs) Bobby immediately launches into an explanation saying, television is an electronic system of transmitting images over wire by converting light and sound into electric waves. Marsha, obviously jealous, sarcastically says, you really took a load off my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby turns back to his books and begins to study some more. What's interesting is they've said in multiple interviews over the years, the kids, that um, Ann Davis actually got everybody um, doing needlepoint. So they, oh, yeah, they, they yeah, would, yeah, I heard that. They would yeah. do that between scenes and stuff. And um, if you watch that that show on the, the DIY network or whatever network it was where they renovate the house, mm-hmm. um, I think it's Eve Plum actually has some stuff still 
that Alice, that Ambie Davis needle pointed for her on the show, like flowers and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. so it just, I thought that was a cool, like, kind of like Easter egg, you know, that they're doing, they're probably, they were really doing needlepoint because, you know, Alice taught them how. Um, but obviously, obviously, Marsh is jealous of Bobby's newfound wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, I wish I can read facts out of she's a She's like, thank you for them. taking off my, she's trying so hard to play it off like she don't care. But you know, she does, you know, she's like, Man, I wish I was cool and I knew how television worked. Um, <laughs> but also, what's his his end goal? Like, what's his plan? To just wow everybody know. with knowledge? And they're like, man, I totally forgot you were short with all this knowledge you have. Like, okay. I don't know, because he's taking advice from Carol, so. Exactly. <laughs> I don't so, know. I don't know. Scene 18. In the backyard, Greg has his new, nay, his used surfboard propped up on some boxes as he appears to be repairing the surfboard with resin. He asks Mike what he thinks. Mike admits, I don't know much about surfboards, but it looks great. Just then Bobby pipes up, telling them that he bets they don't know what the fourth longest river in the world is. Mike admits defeat, saying, no, what's the fourth longest river in the world? Bobby proudly announces the Ob in Siberia and is 3,200 miles long. Mike, sort of seeing what Bobby is doing, smiles, telling him that it's very interesting. Greg jumps in with, like I was saying, Dad, there's nothing like surfing in the whole world. He then starts explaining what it is to Mike, as if he doesn't know. First, you take off in a big, thick swell. And once you got it, you crank on a bottom turn. You get out on the nose. Mike laughs and tells Greg how exciting it sounds. Bobby then tries to wow them with more knowledge, saying, Greg. I bet you don't know, but before he can get anything else out, Greg realizes he's going to be late for work. Mike looks at his watch and says he has to go too, leaving Bobby standing there all alone. Greg's starting to irritate me a little bit. Shocking, I know. Um, Hmm. But why doesn't anybody call Greg out on his bullshit? Like, he's never fucking surfed. Like, he doesn't own a surfboard. We don't know he hasn't surfed. He don't even own a surfboard. He can't be that good. Like what's he gonna do? Hang out at the beach and be like, "Hey guys, when you get tired, can I can I use your surfboard?" Like really? Like they didn't have surfboard rentals back then. Maybe they may have. I don't know. Um, but also like he straight up rolls his eyes at Bobby's facts, but then expects people to listen to his incoherent rambling about a sport he's never done. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like he's in high school. Anyways, um, also the surfboard is too small to quote unquote get out on the nose if it's only six six. I think I don't think they made any six six nose riders, but maybe they did. <laughs> so yeah, that kind of irritated me a little bit. Obviously, um, same. scene nineteen in the kitchen. We see Alice reading something at the counter when Bobby walks in and has a seat. Alice greets him with a hey. I thought you were going with your mom and the rest of them to get new shoes. But Bobby sadly tells her that he doesn't need new shoes because not even his feet are growing. Mm. Alice gets an idea to try to cheer Bobby up, asking him if he has any more of those terrific brain power questions. Bobby, discouraged, simply says no. Alice tries to make him feel better by saying, boy, you sure had some hard ones. But Bobby cannot be deterred. He tells Alice, sorry, I, I, my crickets are chirping really loud. I don't know if it's going to, like, holy shit. Sounds like you just told a, a bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Bobby, discouraged, simply tells, simply says, no. Alice tries to make him feel better by saying, boy, you sure had some hard ones. But Bobby cannot be deterred. He tells Alice that knowing a lot is great, but sure isn't very fun. Alice begins explaining to Bobby that he could be working too hard on one thing. Bobby, confused but interested, asks, what do you mean? Alice continues explaining that he needs balance, like a recipe. You have to have the right amount of each ingredient in order for it to come out right. Bobby's somewhat getting what getting some Bobby somewhat getting it asks. And I've been putting too much brain power. Hmm. Alice confirms with it. Exactly. But as Alice looks at her recipe, she tells Bobby that there's something wrong with her brain power. She forgot sausage for the special meatloaf tonight. She then goes to the phone saying that she's got to call Greg to see if he can bring home two pounds of sausage. Bobby's Bobby follows Alice saying that he can do it. Alice tells him that it would just be easier for Greg to bring it. This does not sit well with Bobby who immediately takes offense telling Alice that she probably thinks he's too little to go down there by himself. (laughs) God. Yeah. This makes Alice rethink what she's doing. She hangs up the phone with an, on a second thought, since I'm going out tonight, the sooner I get my sausage, the sooner I'll get Sam's. You know, <laughs> <laughs> didn't say Sam's. No, she said Sam, but okay. you know, I thought that was fine. Um, okay, go, Bobby. Bobby is super excited, telling Alice that he will be back real fast. Yeah, my note was Alice actually said the sooner I get my sausage, the sooner yeah. I get my Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um what chair is Bobby sitting on? He's sitting I on a green know. chair, but it's a green like cloth chair that that's never been in the kitchen before. Oh, I didn't notice. Um, but also what kid would turn down new shoes? Like they weren't in the shoes in the seventies. <laughs> I don't know. I guess he just didn't care. Hmm. He was too down. He's too sad. Also, did you, did you catch Bobby's pants? <laughs> they were, I think so. <laughs> they were red and maroon stripes. Like, like almost like, like Florida Seminole pants <laughs> with a, yeah. with a blue shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what, that's what a maroon. Yeah. Right. Hmm. All right. Scene 20 <clears throat> back at Sam's. We see Sam wrapping up an order for Greg to deliver. Sam says in the porterhouse on veal, go to Miss Stevens on 231 Elm. Got that? Greg says, got Wait, it. Elm, Elm street. I just caught that. Yeah. Wow. What? No, it's just Elm Street, like Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) When Greg asks if there's anything else, Sam tells him not to be late. He's closing the shop at six sharp because he's taking Alice to the Destruction Derby, which I've never heard it called Destruction Derby. Neither have I, yeah. I thought it was (laughs) Demolition Derby. And Demolition Derby isn't like trademarked or anything. You can say Demolition Derby, you know. Anyway, last time they almost got destroyed trying to find seats. Greg tells Sam, Sam, if you want to get an early start, I can close up. Sam thinks for a moment, says, switch. Realizing it's a good idea, he tells Greg, hey, I can make you deliveries on the way home and we'll swap and you can close up. (laughs) (laughs) You think you can handle it? Greg replies, easy. I take any phone orders that come in. Sam confirms right. Greg continues, I put the meat in the locker so I can clean the counters, turn off the lights, and lock the door at six. Sam chuckles, saying, right. 
And remember what I told you about the meat locker, right? Greg says, right. And tells Sam, thanks again for the advance. Sam dismisses it with an ah. Greg goes on to tell Sam that someday he'll let him ride a surfboard. Sam turns the opportunity down, saying, no thanks. I get seasick taking a bath. <laughs> oh, him and Alice both. That's adorable. Um, <laughs> did you notice the signs like chicken livers and beef tongue? Like, is that shit people <laughs> yeah. actually eat? I I would think that people do buy it, but not enough to put signs up. Unless you're like, hey, we have it here because it's unusual. Hmm. I don't know. And also, um, yeah, we don't know what Sam said about the door. Like, what the fuck, what the fuck did Sam say <laughs> about the door? Like, it's never. I even rewound the episode to see, and he never he specifies. Say, yeah. He didn't say it, but it's a little foreshadowing to say, hey, remember what I told you. I don't know why that. D- d- is the the actual address something you added? Because I don't remember it being Elm Street. Like that fascinated yeah. me. I'm like, holy shit, it's Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it down just exactly oh, okay. how he said it. Um, mm. Which that part kind of bothered me because seems like, hey, this the and don't forget the porterhouse of Vito. Go to Miss Stevens and two thirty one Elm. And he's like, yep. And he had a couple of orders he was grabbing to take out out the door with. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Sam doesn't write it down like on the orders like two thirty one Elm. It might have been. It might have been written on the paper. No, because you see him wrap it up and then he just hands it to uh, him. And he's like, You got it? And he's like, Sure, I got it. And he expects him, a, a teenager to remember that. Like, yeah. I would, fa- I like to have an invoice and be like, Okay, this one goes here, this one goes there. Or if anything, Greg should be writing it down himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good know. catch. No, yeah, it's just kind of dumb. Okay, scene 21. Later that afternoon, we see Greg hanging out in the meat locker. As he walks out, he spots... <laughs> he's not hanging out. He's hanging meat <laughs> in the meat locker. He's um, hanging out in there. He's yeah, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> well, it's, it's a cool place to hang out. Get it? It's a cool place to hang out. <laughs> As he walks out, he spots Bobby at the counter and seems genuinely happy to see him, greeting him with a, Hi, Bobby. What are you doing here? Bobby tells him that Alice needs two pounds of sausage. Greg tells him, <laughs> Two <"Okay."> pounds? <laughs> I think she needs more than that. She wants to pound a sausage, maybe. <laughs> a pound? Yeah, wants yeah, to pound them. That's what I was Greg saying. tells him okay, but explains that he put all the meat away and then I'll have to go get it out of the locker. Greg grabs a paper to wrap it with and walks into the locker. As he's grabbing the sausage, <laughs> we're so juvenile. I know. <laughs> Bobby gets curious and begins going behind the counter towards the locker. Suddenly, Greg hears a bang. To his terror, Bobby has closed the door. Mm. Greg turns to him sharply asking, what did you do that for? Bobby confused asks, do what? Greg answers, close the door. Greg tells Bobby that it doesn't have a two-way lock. Bobby explains that he didn't want to let all the cold out. Greg turns Bobby to him, getting mad, telling Bobby that Sam has a rule. The door has to be open any time someone is in the locker. Bobby, growing scared, asks Greg if they're locked in. Greg tells him they are unless they can get the door open. Greg and Bobby push with all their might, but no use. They can't get the door open. Dun, dun, dun. So I put down, why didn't Greg say, specify not to come in? You know, or if he knows that Bobby's not going to listen, why didn't he put something in the doorway? Because first of all, he was there by himself. The door could have easily got knocked or something. Yeah. So wouldn't it be good practice to take a box or even like 
lay down a um, a broom on the floor or something and diagonal through the entryway so that the door I can't would, shut? I thought about this too because <clears throat> you think you're working in this shop all the time. Right. Um, and Sam was there a lot of times by himself. I would assume by now knowing this about the door that it locks from the inside that he would always have had something that you right. just kind of sticks in front of the door to prop it open. Right. Like whether it's it's some sort of weighted something that he's just been using for years. I would have thought that would have already been in place. But Well, you could even use like a spring-loaded piece of metal that when the door opens, the piece, the piece of metal spring-loaded goes into to, so that you have to move the metal for the door to shut. Like something like that would have been super easy to make and it would have prevented anybody from getting locked in. I think there's a, I think he should be sued. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lawsuit here, Tech. Maybe. Maybe. No, I'm teasing. Oh, scene 22. We cut to later. Greg is searching around for a door or something that will help. He hears Bobby say that he's cold, but Greg tries to keep Bobby optimistic, saying it's not that cold. <laughs> I mean, it's just a chill box. It's not like it's a freezer. So, right. and to do yeah, exercise, they can't like freeze meat, right? Like you no, can't like no. fro- like in a butcher like that. You can't like freeze it frozen solid, right? Yeah, no, no, no. You mm-hmm. want that to be just be chilled. It's just a chill box. Is all it is. So he tells him to do exercises. Bobby begins doing jumping jacks and shaking his head back and forth. <laughs> Greg spots him and gets onto him, saying, "I told you to do exercise, not jump around like you got ants in your pants." Bobby then has a fear and says, if we breathe in too much air, we'll suffocate. Bobby then gets dramatic and grabbing his throat and says, I can feel it already. Greg once again reels Bobby in saying, Bobby, quit pretending this is a submarine movie. Finally telling him to just sit down and relax, which is uh, kind of a fun thing because I've been inside a walk-in inside a submarine. so But I wasn't oh. <laughs> locked in. <laughs> so. I've been inside a submarine. I've seen yep. the walk-in. I didn't go in it because fucking the hat's too small, but but I've seen it. <laughs> Greg then gets excited finding an axe. Greg grabs it saying, maybe we can open the door with this. Greg walks up to the door telling Bobby to stand back. He swings the axe as Bobby winces. But when Greg hits the door, he breaks the doorknob. Greg looks at Bobby who just sighs and mutters, great. Greg tries to keep spirits up, saying, don't worry, don't worry, saying he has another idea. Greg wedges the axe between the door and the door jam and tries to pry it open, but only succeeds in breaking the axe handle off. Greg and Bobby look at each other in worry. Did you notice that he was prying on it the wrong direction? I do now. The direction that he I was, remember, yeah, the direction he coming was towards it. the camera. Yeah, he the direction he was prying it would have been trying to push the door out. No, 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 that's right because the door. Oh, it opens is right, out. isn't it? Okay, yeah. all right. I was thinking Still. it opened inside. Okay, never mind. Um, but also, uh, some of that looks like real meat. Like some of that was pretty convincing. Yeah, but and Good I was kind of surprised that because one of them was like a like a half processed cow. And I was kind of surprised yeah. that that would even be allowed on television in the seventies. Hmm. Um, but also, um, why would he hit the doorknob? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. It on purpose. That's for sure. No idea. Scene 23. I broke up. This is a really long scene. So I broke it up into separate scenes. Um, cause I think it would have been you reading it all. <laughs> oh, gotcha. um, yeah. Scene. <laughs> yeah. Scene 23. <laughs> What's this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
We cut to later again. This time, Greg is Greg. Really, this time Greg is holding a broken axe handle in front of him as he's going to charge at the door. He tells Bobby it's their last chance. He runs up and shatters the glass. As soon as the glass breaks, he tells Bobby to grab some boxes. As Greg takes off his apron, Greg drapes his apron over the window to guard against the broken glass. As Bobby moves the box up into place. Greg tries to squeeze through the window, but no use. He's just too big. Hmm. He then realizes that Bobby can fit. Dramatically looking at Bobby, he tells him that it's up to him to save them. Hmm. Bobby, perhaps realizing that he spent all that time stretching, tells Greg that he sure hopes that he's small enough. Hmm. He then cheers up saying, gee, I never thought I'd wish I was little. Finally, Bobby begins climbing through the window, which is about five feet off the ground, head first, <laughs> as Greg holds on to his ankles. Bobby holds onto the door handle outside of the door and tumbles to the ground, proudly exclaiming that he made it. He tries to open the door, but it will not budge. Greg encourages him, telling him, come on, Bobby. But Bobby reasons that Greg broke it when he hit it with the axe. Greg then instructs Bobby to call Sam and that he's over at their house to pick up Alice. Bobby runs over to the payphone to call, but stops when he realizes he doesn't have a dime. Greg fishes around for a dime, finally throwing it to Bobby. Bobby inspects it, telling Greg that it's awfully cold. Greg answers, if the dime is cold, how do you think I feel? Hmm. Bobby begins dialing, but stops to tell Greg that he should keep his head sticking out because it's nice and warm out there. Hmm. Um, when Greg breaks the window, for some reason there's smoke in the freezer. Why is there smoke in the freezer? Smoke? <laughs> did, you, yeah. did you notice that? No, I didn't notice that. No, there's but... smoke in the freezer. It's like I don't know if they're trying to sit to say that it was like condensation, like the warm yeah. air rushing in or something, but it looked just looked like smoke. Hmm. Um, but also Sam doesn't own a regular phone. How does he take orders? <laughs> Good point. So. <clears throat> Scene twenty-two. Still at Sam's, Mike is now there, talking to Greg through the window. He tells Greg that he'll have him out in a second. Greg tells Mike that he's fine and tells Sam that his meat locker works great. <laughs> Mike and Sam begin prying on the door lock with a crowbar as Carol, who obviously hasn't been paying any attention, asks, Greg, how do you feel? <laughs> Greg answers, fine. Just then, the lock breaks and the door is open. Greg walks out. Obviously happy to be out of the cold. Mike gives him his jacket as Carol tells him they need to be to get home and into a hot tub. You wrote and I put down they had hot tubs back then? <laughs> well, a hot tub, not a hot tub. That's what I mean. They didn't have they had <clears throat> hot tubs back then? <laughs> well, I think they did, but you know. no, I'm just done playing. <clears throat> I was like who's on first. Alice, be- Alice begins to blame herself, telling Sam, I had to go and forget sausage. Sam half listens as he immediately says, that does it, no matter what it costs, I'm modernizing that meat locker. <laughs> Greg speaks up, telling Sam that it was their own fault. Greg then puts his arm around Bobby, telling him thanks, and that he saved his life. Bobby smiles and tells Greg, remember, you saved mine, now we're even. Bobby announces, boy, am I glad I'm little. Greg answers, so am I, pal. So am I. 
Okay, at the end of that scene, why the fuck is Greg out of breath? He was just fucking standing there. Like, why is he out of breath? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Good. Scene 23. Now in the backyard, Greg is teaching Bobby to surf by putting the surfboard on a bench, or it looks like a bench. Greg, yeah. Greg, is, excited, ex, Greg is excitedly commentating for Bobby, telling him, okay, Bobby, now you've got your big, thick swell. Okay, crank oh, out gross. a bottom turn. Oh my now, God. <laughs> now get out in front of the board. Bobby asks what he does now. Greg tells him that he's locked in. And there's a huge wall of water hanging right over his head. But Greg changes tone saying, watch out, Bobby. It's a wipeout. Mm. As this is happening, Peter has snuck up behind Bobby with a bucket of water. Greg begins gesturing to Peter to throw it now. Greg yells to Bobby, here comes the wave. But as Peter goes to throw the water, Bobby lays down on the surfboard, causing Peter to throw the water on Greg. Mm. Peter cackles with delight as Greg comes over and puts the empty bucket over his head, which in turn makes the three boys cackle. Hmm. And I put down, why doesn't Greg ever actually go surfing? <laughs> He's literally surfing in his backyard. Yeah. Just practicing. Mm. And that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. All right. So that was a good episode. It was interesting. Yeah, that was fun. A little bit more dramatic. Robert Robert Reed's introduction to directing. It was, it was pretty good. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we had a good time here today. Don't be offended. We do love the show. We're not racist or sexist. And we would like to thank our producers from Patreon. Mm-hmm. Without you, this absolutely would not be possible. And an extra shout out to our OPs, Jenny and Jim. Mm-hmm. The OPs, the original producers. They're the That's ones that got this ball rolling and will forever be grateful for all of you guys on Patreon because it's it's extremely humbling. Um, Indeed. So thank you. Your homework assignments, mm-hmm. if you choose to accept them, mm-hmm. check out the website, www.averybreedypodcast.com. Do a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or CastBox. Tell two friends about the show, or if you hate the show, tell two enemies. Ed, send an... Mm-hmm. Send an email to the show and tell us how you like or dislike the show at a very brady podcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group and join in the conversations and the fun. It's called a very brady Facebook. It group. is. That's correct. If you'd like to be a producer, check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash a very brady podcast. Instagram at a very brady podcast. Go follow us on Facebook and get real time up to date <clears throat> things and stuffs. And sometimes share comment exchanges with me and Tag. Mm-hmm. So, um, also, go watch the Brady Bunch. Yeah. And right now, Tack is going to tell you where you can start that journey. <clears throat> go ahead, Tack. Sure. Well, go check out the next episode, which we're going to cover. is going to be Season 3, Episode 16, called Do Re Mi. Greg writes a song for his brothers and sisters and reserves a recording studio for the Brady Six. However, before they can record... Peter's voice begins to change and starts cracking uncontrollably. Mm. Oh, no. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So that should be a fun episode. Indeed. So is there anything else you want to talk about before we uh, make like a baby and head out? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, I think we're good. I'm good. Okay. All right. In that case, uh, thank you again. And I have been Jimmy. I've been Tack. And this has been the Very Brady Podcast. And we'll see you on another sunshine day. Keep smoking. Hey, thanks so much for stopping by and checking out the show. And come on back here for new episodes every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rate and review. It helps the show out tremendously. Head on over to AVeryBradyPodcast.com to check out past guests. And maybe you wonder what Jimmy and I look like, but, you know, it's not as good as you think, so don't get too excited. And you can contact us at AVeryBradyPodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email and we'll read it on the show. And also head on over to the merch store at tpublic.com. The link is in the description below. And don't forget to join the Facebook group. It's called A Very Brady Facebook Group. And also there's a like page for the show as well called A Very Brady Podcast. So join in on the fun. Join in on the conversation. Post memes. Do whatever you want. Just don't be a racist dick. And be sure to also check out the Patreon page. If you enjoy the show, give a donation and become a patron. We'd certainly appreciate it. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash a very Brady podcast. Until then, this has been a very Brady podcast and have a sunshine day. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.